1: Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry, it's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson.
0: Hello and welcome to Crown Conversations. Another episode where we have no idea what we're doing because SBN has decided they give zero craps about California. So, thank you SB Nation, and of course, welcome my wonderful co-host, James. Thanks for taking time out of your super busy schedule, man.
1: No problem. I'm always down to rant about the state of the LA Kings.
0: (laughs) All right, well, we're going to try and keep this short and sweet for you listeners today. Uh, A rarity for us, I know, but you know, for things happen, like the Kings winning games by one goal. Um, That hasn't happened in a while, but it it has happened, right, James?
1: Maybe I think (laughs) I think long ago, to the days of yore, (laughs) and there Uh I do recall. A one goal victory. I'm honestly
0: trying to remember when they won by a single goal. And yes, I am including empty nets in that because they struggle with empty net as well.
1: Are we including shootout victories?
0: Uh, No, because, you know, it's basically like kissing your sister or whatever that horrible expression is.
1: Yeah. Ah, I yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, they they are struggling to say the least, right now And
0: mm.
1: they are streaky. It's losing streak, winning streak, losing streak, and it's going to be like that the whole rest of the way. <laughs> I feel like
0: does so. winning one game out of your last what is it, eight, nine now count as a winning streak?
1: Well, I mean that I'm talking about like the October winning streak. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in their last ten, they are three, four, and three oh. as of this recording. Um, so nine points in ten games. Hey, not good. Well, not good.
0: It's not as bad as I thought it was. You know, nine and ten. Obviously, out of out of twenty, that's not ideal. But they're they're sort of, uh, you know, they're hanging on. They've got a tenuous grasp on a a bubble spot, I think. Well, I think they're just outside of the playoff picture right now, but who knows what's going to happen. They're, they're
1: pretty substantially out at the moment.
0: Oh, okay. Never
1: mind. Um, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say substantially out. Like, realistically, it's there are three games out, but like the Avs have games in hand and are eventually going to get healthy, you would assume. Um, somehow, Dallas is back in the playoff picture in the central and uh to put it pretty bluntly they are closer to vancouver in the standings than they are to san jose in the standings yikes yeah
0: all right so a few things that we're going to talk about obviously um the inability to defend a one goal lead Um, we did want to touch on, uh, Jake DeBrusque and what it might take for, uh, Rob Blake to make a bold move, which personally, I don't think that this team, I don't think they'll do it. Mostly because I don't think that they are capable of making a splash. I don't think, not capable. I think they're just unwilling to take a chance. Um, and then, um... What was it also? Oh yeah. You wanted to mention, um, flipping quick to Boston.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we can talk about that in the same thing with the Jake to trade, because, uh, the Bruins are struggling too. They are not looking super great. They are, they have, I mean, you know, they're behind the red wings and the standings, although the red, you know, they have games in hands on the, on Detroit. Um, but they are as of right now on the outside looking in in the playoff picture in the east and goaltending has really been the achilles heel for them this year and if Jake Tabresk wants a trade and like they have a ton of problems there's injury issues they cannot call anyone up from providence in the AHL because of covid issues there so they need something crazy big to happen in order to get the help they need Brad Marchand at the time of this recording is suspended um, because he sure does like to slew foot and (laughs) say terrible things about political, uh, exiles. And yeah. So if we wanted to do DeBrusque and I mean, it would be cool if we got uh, Jeremy Swayman back in the trade, but I mean, he's a young goalie who knows how I, I assume they're high on him. Um, to have him up when he's 23 years old, but Swayman and DeBrusque for Kempy and quick retained salary on quick would be a big swing. If Rob Blake felt like taking one,
0: <laughs> even if we could not extract, I mean, I'm sure that they would probably rather part with Olmark because they just traded um, Dan Vladar uh, over the summer. And I get it. It was a big swing and a miss for Boston, but Uh, Yeah, but Olmark
1: has a no-move clause, and he just signed there. uh,
0: Well, I don't see... They just picked... My point is that they just picked (laughs) uh, Swayman over Vladar, who, by the way, is absolutely killing it in... What is it? Calgary. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about Calgary. But he's killing it (laughs) right now. Um, So I don't think that they'll part with any of their goalies, but... Don Sweeney didn't really have a choice when he traded Dan Vladar because Vladar kind of struggled a little bit in his debut and Jeremy Swayman was killing it. It coincided with all the games where the Bruins were giving Swayman goal support and giving Vladar absolutely zero defensive support. And you want to talk streaky. The Boston Bruins have pretty much the same problem as the Kings where they roll out one line and then three third lines and say, why are you not winning anything? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but <laughs> it's weird because Taylor Hall's a third line player now.
0: Oh god. Well, wow. poor Taylor Hall has bounced around so much in his career.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, but I mean No, it it's true. I mean, we we've, we've even heard Jim Fox talk about it during the broadcast. Where he's like, oh, yeah, the bottom six, you know, you you can call them the third or the fourth line, but I don't think there's a real delineation there, like because the Kings just have a lot of fourth liners in their lineup and it needs to change. And it, It needs to change with the top line, too, because the Kopitar line, you know, the game against Calgary, like they were that line in particular was so slow. They were on the back foot and. It's either K- Kopitar is tired of trying to drag Kempi and Brown out of the defensive zone, or I think Kopitar looks hurt. It, I am assuming he's got a wrist, elbow, forearm, broken finger, something going on, because he does not look strong on his stick defensively, and he's not taking any shots. And he hardly took shots to begin with. But yeah, now it's even less. So... I'm, yeah, I'm, I am ranty yeah. today. I just want to <laughs> rant.
0: Oh, the other thing that I, I wanted to, to talk about was um, Todd McClellan's lack of adjustments. And it's interesting because, you know, with Daryl Sutter, Daryl Sutter is not afraid to mix things up. And he knows the Kopitar line in and out because he coached them for, what was it, four or five years. So he, he understands how Kopitar and Brown think. And he understands. Like, Daryl Sutter is really a chess master. He's so brilliant. His hockey sense really is pretty unparalleled, except for that of Coach Q. But Todd McClellan makes zero adjustments. And I kind of get it because when you're losing a lot of one-goal games, you say, well, something has to break. Something has to go our way. And we saw that happen with their seven game win streak where it was like, okay, things are finally starting to go well for them. Maybe they're onto something. So it's like, do you wait? Are you patient or do you try to mix things up? And Todd McClellan's version of mixing things up is putting Adrian Kempe on Kopitar's wing. And I mean, I like Adrian Kempe. I think he's great, but he's a bottom six player because he's, not great defensively. He doesn't contribute much offensively all around. He's a fine player, but he shouldn't be on Kopitar's wing.
1: Yeah. And and at the same token with the way, you know, this tough year is going for Dustin Brown. um, And this is not meant to take away anything from the career Dustin Brown has had with the Kings. He does not look like he deserves to be playing in the top six. And I mean, really, it, it, it's one line. It's, it's the Dano, Arvidsson, and Iafalo line. And, and where you see adjustments or changing things up is they have a bunch of set face-off plays with that line. And they generate some dangerous chances. But then, you know, it, it's just kind of this thing with with this team. No lead is safe for them. <laughs> Like they got that first goal and then like they had some good pressure. They were keeping things up. Okay. They gave up the two power play goals at the end of the first period. That's a tough break. But, you know, that's when they then go to the one, three, one in the neutral zone. That's when they start playing tighter defensively. And it it just seems like it's the wrong call at the wrong time. I, I don't. I don't understand some of the decision making in terms of the game plans. I think the game plan isn't simple. The game plan isn't easy. It it's reminding me a lot of um uh what was his name Paul Holmgram, the guy in Ottawa
0: mm-hmm.
1: the with the mustache. The yes. Yeah, like that was his issue. Like he he just overcomplicated everything for each situation. And I think especially as the Kings should be starting to incorporate more young players which they aren't doing things should be simplified and turn them loose a little bit and let some growing pains happen and and it feels micromanaging with what's on the ice and not what's on the bench does that make sense
0: yeah Uh, to me it was disheartening to see that kaliev has been shoved back down onto the fourth line with Lazat and Lemieux. Uh, well, Lemieux is suspended right now because apparently he's two years old and he bites people. Oh
1: my gosh. He should be suspended for so much longer. Um, but I wouldn't like,
0: cry if he was suspended for the whole year because maybe that might finally force Rob Blake and Todd McClellan to make a decision. Anyway.
1: You know what? Give me Kaliev on on Kopitar's rights because Kaliev is, he's forechecking great He's hustling back on his back check. He's not great defensively, but he's trying hard. And he's forcing turnovers in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone. Like he's doing everything a coach would ask a, a young player to do. And he needs to be rewarded with top line minutes. And friggin' call up Chaikev and put him on the left side and let let Kalev score so many goals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, if it was only that simple, right?
0: Yeah, on their winning streak, I mean, they had Kaliev and Kupari, they had Kale Clay and uh, a couple of other young kids that were contributing. And and then Todd McClellan said, no, 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 we can't have that, and just went back to what was not working in the first place. And it's just the most frustrating thing, because even in a game, I, I understand as as outside spectators, it's easy for you and I to make criticisms, but I don't feel like Todd McClellan and the coaching staff. I feel like, as you say, they're too micromanaging. They look at it from shift to shift, and it's like maybe step back. What are the themes? The overall themes that's happening within the game. What are you sensing? And it's mm-hmm. it's when they start to struggle, they go back to the one three one. They go back to the drop pass in order to try and get some. Some something going because in Todd's mind, he's going, You're fast, we can generate something with your speed. Drop it's not pass forever for Todd. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's an open playbook. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the same thing that um, to borrow from the Rams, the LA Rams. I don't know if you're a football fan, but everybody knows Sean McVeigh's playbook. He, they know exactly what he's going to do, when he's going to roll out the quarterback. They know what play he's going to take. It never changes. It's exactly the same. For Sean yeah, McVay, yeah. I say, well, you know, maybe it's because he's a young coach. Maybe he's just a bad coach. I'm not that big into football. But for Todd McClellan, he's got tons of experience. I don't understand why he's just let me double down on what's not working. Throw cap... Put uh, put Kapari up on the third line. Make him a center. Carl Grunstrom, I think he's been fine. Keep Brendan Lemieux out of the lineup. Although, weirdly, he was doing okay leading up to the biting incident. At least on the ice, he was fine. I think but, he
1: was even surprised that he was playing well.
0: Yeah. I think he had, like, he has, like, three or four goals or something. But, like, in the last five games, up until his suspension, he was actually being good he was contributing he was doing exactly what we wanted him to do and then it just he bit somebody because he's a toddler anyway my point is that i feel like todd mcclellan says we're losing all these games by one or two goals well something has to go our way because all of our statistics say eventually we should progress to the mean Mm -hmm. but when we When we look at Daryl Sutter's teams, they're historically volume shooters, but they were never teams that were good at generating offense. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this is the same thing that Todd McClellan was always doing with the Sharks around the same time. Mm -hmm. That's why they looked like so very often they were two sides of the same coin.
1: No, I I think you're right. And I mean, I, I it's just so hard looking at this team right now because there's no identity. Like we, are they a good defensive team? Are they a good offensive team? No, no, (laughs) no. Like pick what you're great at and go. And like, I, I just, is it a personnel matter? I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, Martin Firk is just a, obliterating the AHL right now he's, he's got 22 points in 16 games I think he's the leading goal scorer in the AHL he's playing out of his mind Gabe Velarde needs to be on the wing like he's not a center stop trying to force it please let
0: <laughs> fetch happen
1: yeah no it, yes exactly um I I'm not saying I don't like Blake Lizotte there are times where he really does change the momentum of a game with his energy
0: yeah. um
1: at the same time, I feel like Jared Anderson Dolan should be getting some of those minutes
0: Ah, oh, yes
1: um but, it,
0: what what did Ryan say he said that uh you have like six fourth liners but only one fourth line,
1: yeah, too many fourth liners and just one line, yeah,
0: yeah, something like that and I mean, so it's like you have. Like, 12 identity players and role players. Leis Anderson, Brendan Lemieux, Trevor Moore, uh, Blake Lazar, Carl Grundstrom. They're all the same player. And I like all of them, but I feel like it's time maybe to move on from them. It's unfortunate that Leis Anderson uh, has not been able to fit in with the Kings. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's a person thing, if it's just a system thing. But I don't think that he's able been able to find his way with the Kings. Karl Grunstrom, same thing. And they're both young players. And I feel like maybe in a, a higher octane, at least for Anderson, I feel like a higher octane system would benefit him more. Karl Grunstrom is oh, yeah. just a role player. And too many fourth liners, just one fourth line.
1: hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like Gabe <laughs> Velarde has done well since being sent back to Ontario. As of this recording, he has five points in four games like he's playing well. He and Martin Firk have always had great chemistry. And I think. One of the unreasonable expectations for Gabe Velarde was when he came up, he had Firk with him and they had a lot of history together in the AHL. And there was a comfort level there to have the two of them go do their thing. And uh, Ferk got hurt, you know, sent back down to the AHL. The The safety net was gone for Gabe Velarde, and that's hard for a young player. And, you know, it, like something Todd McClellan said in the offseason, it's hard for Gabe Velarde because he's the first of the skilled players, the skilled prospects to come through the system. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be judged more harshly. Um, You know, I I just, I mean, I think it's hard because we used to see in the Dean Lombardi, Daryl Sutter days, we would see guys get called up, get a couple of games, and then they would tell them, hey, we like you, you're going to go back down. And these are the things we want you to hone in your game at the AHL level. So you're ready when we call you up and we need you. Jordan Nolan and Dwight King in 2012.
0: And Tyler Tafoli and Tanner Pearson.
1: Yep, exactly. They're not doing that with these guys. They're they're it's kind of like they get one shot and then told you're not ready and then forgotten about to to waste away in limbo, you know?
0: <laughs> I kind of feel like it's still more they're I understand that they're taking the long approach with them, which is fine. And that was something that Rob Blake came about under Dean Lombardi's tutelage. And I I understand that. And I appreciate that, that they're not trying to rush the prospects. But it's like they just get sent back to school, but they're not told what they need to study. There's nothing specific. And then they're kind of, like you said, lost in limbo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's such a shame because they are um, I just feel like it's talent going to waste yeah. and, and when they do call him up they call him up too young or they force them into a role they're not ready for they did it with Adrian Kempe they've done it with Gabe Velarde um,
0: both fingers by the way
1: <laughs> yeah who should absolutely not be Sanderman. Um oh, ever. ever ever yeah I, I mean you know, Turcott is a guy who can play center and play on the wing. You know, Byfield will be a center. We have Phil Deneau for a long time. We still have Kopitar. We have Jad. We have Kupari. We have other guys who can play center. Um, you know. We don't need Filardi there.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. We we talk a lot about depth, and I want to touch on this real quick. Um, and then we'll move on from this. Um, we, we talk a lot about depth, and you kind of said that, you know, you don't feel like Kopitar is being himself. So I feel like Kopitar is still under pressure, even though Philip Deneau was brought in and signed. But still, even with Deneau, there's still too much pressure on Kopitar to perform and to carry this whole team.
1: Oh, I I agree with you. And I think when you look at Phil Deneau, you really see a lot of Justin Williams.
0: like. Yeah,
1: like he tries to make the home run play in the neutral zone every time a- and 25 percent of the time it leads to a great offensive chance, but it leads to a lot of turnovers too. when he's in the offensive zone. Oh, my gosh, is he great at starting a cycle or keeping a cycle going in the defensive zone? He's really responsible, uh, but man, in the neutral zone, it is a wild <laughs> ride with Phil to know <laughs> just like it was with Justin Williams.
0: <laughs> I've, I've come to appreciate that a little bit. I don't it it bothers me, but not as much as it used to because he's the only one trying to make anything happen. He's the only one willing to take a risk. Is it because he's the one only one who is allowed to take a risk? Yes, but he's trying.
1: man, that whole line it, are taking risks. and then like the other people on their line are just like, oh we'll, we'll get we'll get you back. We'll back check for you. Don't worry about it. Go crazy. <laughs> Arvidson. And I'll follow are playing that line is playing some of the most fun hockey. I have ever seen the Kings play. It is creative. It is passionate. It, it, it like there is a love for the game when they're on the ice. And it it is so fun to watch as a fan. And then the other nine forwards are, are just trying to make it through the slog.
0: They're lost. Todd McClellan and and, and Trent Yanni, um, and I forgot who else they have. Marco Sturm. Yes, Marco Sturm. I feel like they don't have a plan. It, it, it's, it. The thing is, I feel like what Deneau has given the Kings, along with Arvidsson, they are. Uh, uh, well, I mean, they the, they're both. 28 so you know they're veterans at this point Alex, I follow he's 27. they're all comfortable with their game where it's at they don't mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they don't care what the coach says but I feel like they're more willing to incur the wrath of talking they
1: have identity
0: because they know who they are exactly <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Arviton and no, it comes from years of playing in the system where they were allowed to craft their identity. And Alex Ayafalo has come, he's crafted an identity of he's had to work and scrap his whole career to get to where he is. He's mm-hmm. constantly proving the doubters wrong. And finally, this year, you can see how comfortable he is just being himself. He steps yeah. on the ice. It is second nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely.
1: And, like, I don't know. When I look at Arthur Kaliev, that guy is going, I know the hockey player I am. And I know the hockey player I'm going to be in the NHL. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's made no bones about it. He wants to be Rick Nash. That's his favorite player. That's who he models his game after. If he could skate a little bit better, man, he would look a lot like Rick Nash. (laughs) And, like, that's the thing is even if the skating isn't there, man, the hustle sure is for Kaliev. And and having a skilled guy who hustles give me that every single day over over Brendan Lemieux, who, in all honesty, probably has a lot more talent than what he displays. But he's just too much of a freaking idiot to figure it out and to be a consistent player and not do stupid things like biting human beings. (laughs) Trevor Moore knows who he is. Trevor Moore creates some real high danger chances. and It's just there's no one there to knock it home. (laughs) But more hustles like I've got no problem with more Kupari, Kaliev, those guys at all. I mean, Brownie has been trying to get more physical. He's trying to get his game going. He's trying to find something. He had the good goal against Anaheim that helped. Kempi. Before he went up to that top line, it was some of the best hockey I've ever seen him play when he was on that second line. Um, and, and again, Kopitar just looks hurt. The defense is young, except for Edler and Dowdy. Um, I would love to see Edler get a day off because man, it looks like he needs it. But is <laughs> he, he is always in the perfect place to make a play when we need him to. And and it, it doesn't matter how slow and old his legs are. He's still getting there to make the play. Like, thank goodness for Alex Adler or else this year could be a lot worse.
0: He's trying. I don't know what happened to Mikey Anderson, but Mikey Anderson fell off a cliff. Matt Roy also inconsistent game to game. Bjornfoot looks like he could be uh, a Norris contender one game. And then the next game, he freezes up and he forgets what he's doing. And it's OK. He's 20. And, and he, he gets caught reading the play a little bit. I get that. But I just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe they should bring back Cale Clegg. I don't know why he's not back in the lineup. I, well, I mean, as I, of this
1: recording, he is on waivers.
0: Yeah, because they're trying to send him back to Ontario because they.
1: Gosh, you want to tell me freaking Colorado doesn't need a healthy defenseman right now?
0: They were so desperate for bodies, they claimed. I forgot who they claimed off waivers the other day, and he's not any good. Oh, Nicholas Obey kubel because they're so... Oh, desperate. did they? <laughs> yeah, they claimed him, and then um, they made Curtis McDermott a forward in one game.
1: Yeah, they. Yeah. That was. Yeah, it's it, it's bad. Like it, like yeah. they they have a lot of injury issues, and they're still a good team, and. Nazem Kadri looks like he has a stick Touched by the hand of God right now With the way he's scoring, but he'll screw it up In the playoffs like he always does But, but you
0: want to tell me that the Kings could not Use a young 23-year-old defenseman Who looks like he's out to prove something
1: Trust you, you me You
0: want to tell me that he's not an improvement Over Ole Frickin' Mata
1: Oh my god You're preaching you to sure? the choir Like, yeah man Okay it, it, Oh <laughs> Uh, I, I was trying so hard to not talk Mada because it just makes me so angry.
0: What's the motto with you, James? Uh, he, uh, uh,
1: you always do this to me.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Armchair GM and then armchair coach. Let's start with armchair coach. Uh what the roster that you have currently uh without Kale Clegg, if pretend that he's still on your roster, what would you do to shake things up?
1: to shake things up. Wow. Um <laughs> Okay. to get
0: something going.
1: You know what? Here. Th- this is where I go. Um I I go with I mean, I I call up Tchaikov I put him on Kopitar's left side. I bump Kaliev up to the right side. My my top line is Chaikev, Kopitar, Kaliev. I keep I Dano, Denno Arvidson. I go Kempi, Kupari, Brown, I go. uh Anthony, to see you because I think he's out of COVID pro- protocol right now. I go with him, uh, Lazat, and grunstrom Or, or no, it'd be Trevor Moore. Sorry, Trevor Moore. That that's my fourth line there. That's a much better looking fourth line. I then my defense. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna sell out with my top pair. I'm going. Let me just make sure I have it right. Really quickly for who plays what side because I don't want to screw it up because I saw this pairing against Calgary and I want to make sure it is right. Okay, now, um, I mean, at this point, I'm kind of okay with putting Edler on the top pair with Dowdy, yeah, and l- like sell out, go for it, make it make it really good, and then give me Matt Roy and Toby Bjornfoot. And then Mikey Anderson and Dersey as my third pair. And because Dersey, the one thing you got to say about him, Dur- he tries to make a play every time he's on the ice. Cale Clegg kind of lets the play come to him sometimes too much. Jersey tries too hard. Clegg, maybe you feel like he, may- he he's a little bit tentative because he's afraid of making a mistake. Um, and And yeah, and then... I, I think you have to pick a goaltender to go with. I think the 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 platooning it's getting oh old. God. i I don't feel like either guy gets into a rhythm. no I, you, you gotta start riding one. You gotta make a decision. So
0: okay yeah. for for me, I'm gonna start with the the goal. I'm gonna start back end. Make Cal your number one guy. i I know that Jonathan Quick could tank the whole room. But if he starts that nonsense, you sit him down. You remind him that he is a freaking professional and that he needs to get his shit together. Like, mm-hmm. remind him of that. And, and if he acts up or whatever, I don't know. You have to do something as GM in order to... So I would say if Jonathan Quick cannot act like a grown adult of two Mm -hmm. children, if he wants to act the same age as his own son, then you bench him. I know that that's a risky move, but you've got to send a message somewhere that childishness will not be tolerated on your roster. And I just, Mick Callie, your number one guy, you signed him to that contract for a reason. He earned it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this back and forth is not doing anybody any good just like you said so i say make cal the number one guy and then um i would give clay the benefit of the doubt so i i'll put clay on the third pairing um with jersey and then maybe kind of
1: that's fun
0: kind of swap them in and out with Bjornfoot. It's a little bit tough for Bjornfoot, I know, because it'll be difficult for him to get into a rhythm. But I I see it as a learning opportunity for Bjornfoot. And I would sit them both down. If I'm coach, I say, look, this is not a mark against either of you. This is something for you both to learn from. And whoever does a better job gets to keep that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my second pair... I'll go with um, the tried and true pairing of Anderson and Roy, and then sell out like you of defense Edler and Dowdy, because they they're so comfortable with themselves. If again for armchair coach, I'll I need to sit down and have a very honest conversation with Anji Kopitar. Your long term health is more important than us winning games. If he insists he can do it then I think I'll probably just copy your forwards because I'm lazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: <laughs> okay. Fair enough.
1: Okay. Uh, armchair GM, what armchair move GM. are you making?
0: Well, this can segue right into, uh, with, in, into our conversation on Boston. And I know I said we'd keep this short and sweet. So let's try to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say that Jonathan Quick is unmovable with that contract. That's fine. We'll keep him. You know what you're getting with Quick. You don't know what you're going to get with Swayman or Olmark. So we'll keep him. If I'm Blake, I try to make a big move with Boston and go for Jake DeBrusque. Uh, Move um, Sean Walker to LTIR. So you gain that 2.6 and trade Adrian Kempe. For Jake DeBrusque, I think Adrian Kempe and a third is maybe a little overpayment for Jake DeBrusque, but Jake DeBrusque has a lot of potential that he's not being allowed to live up to in Boston. And I think he would fit in really well on Kopitar's wing or Deneau's wing. I kind of hate to break up the Iafalo, Deneau, and Arvidsson line because they're doing so well, but Mm -hmm. Alex Iafalo also has insane chemistry with Kopitar. And I feel like Deneau would be a really good shepherd for Jake Dabrask.
1: I can see that, absolutely.
0: So that's my big splashy move as a GM.
1: Okay, um, mine. Um, if I need you to clarify, uh, am I trying to win this year or am I trying to tank it again this year? Because that decision has to be made very soon. Your ownership. You're filling shoots waiting in line for a hot dog because he's just a regular guy.
0: I would say that you're under pressure from ownership to make something happen. There's no shame for Shane this year.
1: Okay. Okay. So, all right. Not taking it. I move Kempy and a second round pick to Arizona for Phil Kessel. I asked them to retain half of his cap it because he makes like no real dollars this year.
0: Oh, my uh, God. But Kessel's old. Uh, well, God, Kessel's split 33. So.
1: 34.
0: 34.
1: Yeah, man, I know he's old. You're trying to make something happen. Like, great, put him on Kopitar's right side. Let's go. (laughs) That's a win now
0: move. I'm not saying win now, but the pressure under ownership that you have to make something happen. Show me progress is being made with this rebuild.
1: Oh, if you're going for just progress man uh i mean it's hard because we know the we know the trade that rob blake wants to make and it's for a left-handed defenseman under 25 under 26 with nhl games and that's just a really really hard thing to find um
0: he's got one he's got one on waivers
1: yeah you're right
0: i mean it's kind of a ridiculous thing to say i want somebody who's 26 or 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 younger who has nhl experience it none of this is kale Clegg's fault because kale Clegg has not been okay last year kale Clegg as he got caught up a little bit too much in waiting for good things to happen to him even Mm -hmm. mayor pointed out mayor said Kyle Clegg is acting too much, like he's waiting for the next call-up. And then he didn't really impress at the NHL level. But I feel like Clegg is a guy that you can have a heart-to-heart with. And I, God, I know this sounds like Dean Lombardi territory here. But Cale Clegg is a guy that you can sit down and be like, I believe in you. I've seen your skill. It's okay. I don't want to say it's okay that you're not consistent game-to-game. We all strive for consistency in our lives as humans. But mm-hmm. like, I just the insistence on keeping only Mata, even though Ole Mata's only Mata is only twenty seven, <laughs> over Gail Clayton is just mind blowing to me. And then like, <laughs> I need a left handed defenseman who has NHL experience, and he's got to be under twenty six. Hello, look in your own backyard.
1: No, I I mean I I, I get it, and like. You know, no one's lining up to trade away a young defenseman.
0: (laughs) Except the Kings.
1: (laughs) Well, no, they're just trying to give them away. (laughs)
0: That's true. James! (sighs) I
1: I know. I know. I mean, unless you can, like, uh, find a way to trade for, like, Ryan Lindgren from the Rangers and give them something that they really like, like like you, at that point, you might be parting with Kempi and Velarde, you know, like, yeah, maybe for this trade, it, it, it it comes down to starting to trade away some of the prospects for the, for the current players.
0: Yeah.
1: That's only if there are
0: upgrades. I'm not, based on what's available on the market, I'm kind of skeptical. Yeah.
1: No, I just, I am too. <laughs> I mean again if it's me and I'm trying to do something to to just push us closer to the playoffs like I don't know if DeBresca is that player for us. I I have to look on the back end because that's where the greatest need is right now. And
0: yeah I think I mean
1: different. maybe there's another young Defenseman that Carolina's like Whoa, we've got no room for you anymore, <laughs> and we take them.
0: I, I feel like if anybody would be trying to give him away, like the Abs would snap him up right away.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're desperate. Yeah, but I just had a thought. Speaking of Colorado,
1: mm-hmm. imagine
0: an all kale pairing.
1: Oh, kale and kale, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that would be pretty fun.
0: Kale passes it to Kale. Kale dangles around his defender. Kale passes it back to Kale. Oh, Kale scores!
1: I like this. I, I do like this idea. <laughs> that could be a really good pairing because then you just all the pressure is off of Clegg because now you're mm-hmm. just like, hey man, chill out and let like Macar get all the attention and then he surprises everyone with his play. That's a pretty good.
0: The, the I like. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, you're you're a smart woman. You know what you're doing.
0: The the talent is there for Clegg. It's just being able to utilize it. And, you know, I feel like I really do think he would fit in with Bednar's system. Because the the Avs are young and fast. Bednar made a lot of mistakes in the playoffs. Which is why um, Colorado kept uh, losing to the Golden Knights. Even though even though Avalanche are far superior, at least, Mm -hmm. well, maybe not far superior, but they were, on paper, more talented than the Golden Knights. But the young and experienced squad and then Bednar could not get his players to calm down because we all know Vegas is a little dirty. Well, just a little bit.
1: Oh, just a little bit dirty.
0: (laughs) Just a a little bit dirty. So the, the Avs got caught up with that. And we've seen the kings do that with the sharks. So the it it was a learning experience for the Avalanche last year. I feel like they're gonna be better this year. Agreed. <sighs> All right. Well, I think we've not kept it short and sweet, but we tried.
1: Shorter and sweeter than normal.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, James, for joining me and listeners. Thank you for listening to us. Bye. Bye.